You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I'm your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 146. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Claire Whitfield, who is a UK-based writer who's been a dancer, copywriter, amateur fire breather, buyer, and mediocre weightlifter. People of Abandoned Character is her first novel, and it's available right now. Uh, People of Abandoned Character is a historical crime thriller set against the backdrop of Jack the Ripper's hunting ground of the uh, 19th century, told from a woman's perspective who believes her husband might be Jack the Ripper. I had a great time chatting with uh, Claire about the intriguing premise of her novel, about the passionate world of ripperologists, about writing historical thrillers, going through that goth emo stage, and a lot more. So stay tuned for that interview coming here in just one moment. Uh, But first, if you're a writer and you're listening to this uh, podcast and you want to learn how to outline a novel or you're interested in checking out uh, outlining, um, I'd like to invite you to check out my video over at thrillingreads.com forward slash outline video where i'll walk you through how i improve my outlining by watching james patterson's masterclass. so that's thrillingreads.com forward slash outline video all right here is my interview with claire whitfield hey everybody this is alan with meet the thriller author and today on the podcast i have claire whitfield who is a uk-based writer her debut novel people of abandoned character is a historical thriller that is a reimagining of the Jack the Ripper murders of Victorian London told from a woman's perspective. So I'm excited to talk to Claire about all that. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Claire. Oh, thank you for having me, Alan. So before we get into the nitty gritty about your book, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background and uh, your your writing journey so far? I'll just give you the headlines. Otherwise, we'll be here for a while and, and it will be really dull. So I live in Southampton, which is right at the bottom of England in the UK, um, obviously in the UK, right in the middle. Um, And there's absolutely nothing interesting about it, I don't think, other than the fact I'm pretty sure this is where the Titanic set sail from. So that's the only thing anyone ever knows about it. That's a good tourist destination then, a good, nice little trivia. Yeah, it's true. That is basically what people come here for. And then they get underwhelmed and move on. Um, (laughs) So my writing journey, really, I suppose I came to writing quite late. Um, I've always had an interest in it, but I never really thought of myself as like a a fiction writer. Um, I have worked in editorial departments when I first graduated. I worked for B2B, um, like news writing, magazines for publishing house. And then I went into copywriting and advertising. And I soon learned that was a soul crushing environment and probably the least creative place you could be. And then I ended up just sort of working in in retail, in buying, actually. So most of my experience is in buying. And then about five years ago, I just had this sort of epiphany of thinking I really want to take time out and do a master's degree and see if I can write fiction. And that's kind of where it all started. And I, I used that year at the um, university to do that master's degree to try and come up with what I wanted to write and that's how people have abandoned character came to be and here we are <laughs> oh awesome I was like your uh, your university uh, project was the the basis of this uh, of this book um sort of yeah it kind of by accident really to be honest because 
obviously I was doing a creative writing um, master's so we had to do lots of writing exercises and writing workshops as you would imagine and I was always really you know I was a mature student and I was in um, a classroom full of these you know beautiful sort of bovine bright-eyed 20-somethings <laughs> feeling particularly decrepit and middle-aged and I always sort of felt a bit of on the spot when we had to do these exercises so I would draw on old ideas I'd used in the past say or I'd come up in the past because I'd just go blank and this was an idea that came up in a writing exercise years ago when I did an adult education class and and out of panic I just used this and it it kind of developed from there really because people kept being intrigued by the idea so by accident and in the absence of any other ideas I ended up using it yeah for my basically my dissertation Oh, that's pretty cool. And, you, and then you actually had it published too, because usually <laughs> you know, they don't see them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so I kind of did it for the dissertation. And you know what? I got the lowest mark out of any <laughs> of my modules for my dissertation. It completely dragged down my whole um, um, grade for my degree. And I then took to, because I had to go back to work. So I just rewrote it and rewrote it and I ended up rewriting it over the next, what, year, like seven times. Got to the point where I thought, you know what, I'm just going to try start sending it out to agents. So I, I, I think I finished the seventh version in 2016 and I, I got an agent in 2018 and I think he sold it in 2019. Yeah, so it's taken a few years. Yeah, good. That's good perseverance and patience that 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 writers need to have to have and learn. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think that's really useful, actually, because mm-hmm. that's one of the things that was useful about the degree is that they actually sort of told you how patient you would need to be. So that kind of sets you up to understand how persistent, like you said, you have to be to get anywhere. And so did you like, like now, obviously, with the uh, uh, Jack the Ripper being probably the most famous or infamous <laughs> serial killer out ever. Um, is that were you always interested in in those in, in Jack the Ripper and those murders? Is that why you decided to start writing on that? And how, how, I mean, how did the whole how, how did the idea come to you to to write this? Yes, I am interested in serial killers. I was one of those really sad sort of. I suppose you'd call them an emo now. I don't know. <laughs> I was like this sour faced. Like my older brother and sisters called me Wednesday Adams. Um, <laughs> Because I was literally, you know, born into like gothic-y stuff. And I, I started to get really interested, like a lot of, you know, angsty young girls do about 12 into serial killers. So, I, you know, I knew my serial killers. So, yeah, I actually was really hesitant about doing anything about Jack the Ripper. As any serial killer buff will tell you, he's, you know, like, oh, rolls eyes you know, serial killers for dummies. Got to be more original than that. Not to be flippant about their crimes, but... You know, there's other, there's many others to study, but we had to, it was basically, the idea came in a writing exercise at an adult education class. This teacher get brought in some news clippings, not real ones, but printouts from 1888 discussing the murders. Mm. And we had to write a, just a quick exercise from the point of view of someone living at the time, but they couldn't be one of his victims and they could not be a policeman so I I thought I came up with the next most obvious thing and and wrote from the position of someone his wife who might think oh you know 
I've met, I think my husband could be Jack the Ripper. And I didn't really think much of it, but it got such a strong reaction. The idea just stayed with me, really. And, and like I said, when I years later, when I was in these workshops and I was stumped for ideas, I ended up using that. And it, it was got an intriguing reaction, like really strong reaction. So I thought there was something in it. And that's what made me stick with it. Oh, yeah, that's that's really cool how it, how it came together. And yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I'm one of those tourists. When I was in uh, in London years ago, I, I did the that the, <laughs> the Check the Ripper tour. It was kind of fascinating. I've always had a, a fascination with serial killers as well. It's one of my favorite genres. So I was excited to talk to you about all that. Um, but yeah, but I was very surprised to learn when I uh, when I was checking out um, uh, preparing for this interview was there's this whole they call them what is it like a ripperology like a whole there's a whole bunch of people out there who are always like analyzing and studying this whole bunch of different backgrounds which is very fascinating to me did you know about that world before you started to write this um yeah I did know about it actually um it is kind of I don't want to say a cult because that gives it a kind of <laughs> negative spin and I don't mean that but it's it is interesting and that's one of the things that I suppose kept me going on the idea because there's so much re there's so many resources to draw on so as a debut author who is inexperienced in both sort of like um you know like steering a narrative and also you know why I decided to write historical fiction and just and you know give myself a really hard time it was kind of a good thing because there was so much to draw on there's been so many books because of the Ripper being so interested in still it made that element a bit easier if that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah, the, yeah I can imagine there's a lot of information but yeah that's that's so interesting though too like you said though for your first project because you know you, the, the historical perspective of that did you have to do uh, how much research did you have to do on the to get the historical things correctly on the, on the story Oh, you know what? The, the murders, researching the murders and the Ripper stuff was the easy bit. Um, because, you know, it's so well known. And I, I I knew I probably, you know, like yourself being interested in that thing. I could have named the victims mm -hmm. off the top of my head before starting because they're so well known. But the historical aspect was a real rabbit hole. I did so much research, so much because I was really conscious that as a sort of normal, everyday, ordinary English person I'm really quite bored <laughs> of seeing endless reiterations of not that they're not great but you know there's other things out there of the royal family or this duchess or you know Queen Victoria again or Queen Elizabeth or and it's like wow did did poor people exist <laughs> do we have a narrative do we have a story or did we just stand in the background holding silver platters so I really wanted to put a lot of emphasis on trying to understand how more ordinary people and people from lower classes felt at the time and what their lives were like. Because I thought for me, that was more interesting. Yes, yeah, so because uh, talk a little bit about, about the book, about people of a men and character, because you said like this, uh, this woman suspecting her husband might be Jack the Ripper. So they're, uh, they live in that, in that impoverished area. Can you tell us a little bit about the book? No, no. Um, so Susanna, I, I have to be careful. I don't want to give too much. Yes, away, so. yes. Yeah, no spoilers. <laughs> I'll try. Um, Susanna is uh, quite a driven young woman who wants, I suppose, she wouldn't the, the interesting thing of the time is that you know that 
I think people have these innate desires and Susanna has the innate desire for freedom and independence, but she probably wouldn't know to articulate that. But she is coming of age, well, she's 30, um, when she gets the opportunity, which was opened to, for the first time to ordinary women, to become a nurse, which has recently undergone reforms since Florence Nightingale got involved and, and Eva Lux. They, they, they turned it into a skilled profession with a decent wage and employment benefits. And that opened up a whole new world to women like Susanna. So she actually starts the novel as a nurse, a pioneer of the time, as, as many of these young women were. She is becoming a bit demoralised. Well, she is very demoralised and quite depressed by certain things. So I won't give that away. Um, and she enters into this whirlwind sort of romance with a younger doctor at the hospital and out of fear for her security and obviously to escape from some pretty dark stuff, she ends up marrying him. And so they actually live in Chelsea, which today is a really posh area. I mean, you know, it's like 20 million pounds per house, but at the time was kind of almost like a kind of up and coming artistic area. So she moves into a house with her husband and his housekeeper, but her husband still works at the hospital where they met, which is a real hospital in the east end of London in Whitechapel called the, the London Hospital, which is now called the Royal London. So, you know, people did commute then. People did get, you know, the underground did exist and um, there were trains and buses, but of course, mainly um driven but you know it, it, that's quite an, a fascinating insight to how people worked and lived there so we'll find it so fascinating too because like you said back especially back in those days um like the women i mean they were they, it was real a struggle for them to get to do have any type of rights right what was the women's right movement in in uk back then could the women vote and stuff like that or no no this was before the vote so oh, okay. oh god you're now um i'm pretty sure the vote didn't come in i want to say 1917 or 1918 something like that and that was if you were over 30 oh wow that's crazy yeah so it's not as long as people think and yeah. at the time you know there were professions and like this sort of notion of housewives that was only really for upper middle class women everyone was working mm -hmm. but money you got paid as a woman you know you couldn't live off that it it, it, it was so bad um there's a lot of parallels, funnily enough, with today at that mm -hmm. time, the way the economy is set up, the wealth inequality, the fact that so few people were really wealthy. Um, a woman could not develop, divorce her husband, for example. A man could divorce his wife based on adultery, but a woman couldn't divorce her husband based on adultery unless I think it was there was got to be particular things there had to be evidence of incest which is quite particular mm -hmm. <laughs> I think bigamy and perhaps domestic abuse like violence so it, it, everything was governed around who was going to support you so you know it's all well and good if your husband's having an affair but if, if you divorce him you know how are you going to support you you're going to be a burden on the state in some way so everything's devised around that and this was before welfare you know if you fell out of luck you you know at the bottom of the pile you had to go into the workhouse which was like this horrible concept that people couldn't cope with families would be separated children would be taken away from their parents so people would do anything to stay out of the workhouse yeah yeah it was the same thing here in the u.s too that i don't think the women didn't get the vote the vote 
the the right to vote till like the 1920s, I believe. Yeah. Right around the same same time period as as the UK sounds like. But yeah, it's just this is kind of crazy. <laughs> um. So were you like so historical thrillers? Were you I, I, were you a reader of historical thrillers of of mystery suspense uh, before you started to, to to write your book? Were you a fan of the genre? Yes and no. I wouldn't say it was a particular like obsessive, but I do love a historical book and I do love all things historical. So I, I love a bit of nonfiction as well. And I'm quite sad in the sense that I really enjoyed the research as much as it was, you know, a lot to do. I really, really enjoyed it. And, and I, I, you know, I can bring the house down at a party, but mm-hmm. <laughs> probably not about my... <laughs> really sad knowledge about Victorian wallpaper and fashions um, um I wouldn't say no I, I definitely am a crime novel reader but I, I yeah I'm not too historical is good but modern yeah as well and how did you do all your research do you just do you use like a like word and is that how you write your books as well too I always like to know what the what writers use <laughs> the tools that they use do you know what? I use a lot of things. I use, um, trying to think, yeah, obviously Word. I write everything in Word and I'm faster at typing than I am at handwriting. So generally I do everything typed unless I'm like brainstorming, which I know is a horrible word, so forgive me. But I would use like, I, I'm I'm terrible for drawing maps of things, which aren't really maps because it's just like the ramblings of a madwoman and only makes sense to me. But I like to sort of just use massive pieces of paper like A3 or A2 and just write everything down and make spider diagrams and stuff. Um, I also love using Excel, which <laughs> you know, it's like one of the more bizarre things, apparently. <laughs> I love a spreadsheet. But you know what? When you're researching, you know, I don't know if you do a lot of research for yours as well, just to keep an order of things like timelines and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, Excel is amazing. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a Excel fan myself, myself too. I know people don't like the spreadsheets, but yeah, it's a, it's a handy tool. <laughs> yeah, oh, you are because that, like if I say that, people look at me like I've gone mad. <laughs> yeah. And so, is is uh, people of abandoned character? Is it a standalone? Uh, I'm assuming it's a standalone, or it is a standalone. Yeah. However, I did kind of leave it open at the end, just in case. So I won't say what it's about, but there's a nod towards another lesser known should we say, crime-based scandal that really happened. And there's a nod t- towards that as it resolves, as the characters resolve. So I always left it open. I said never again when I finished <laughs> that book. And, you know, that's it. I'm never writing historical fiction again. But, mm, I'm, you know, now that time has passed, it's a bit like childbirth. You know, I've forgotten the pain. So, you know. <laughs> Let's do it again. <laughs> Yeah, why not? Sounds like a great idea. Before you start to writing, do you like, is everything like, do you outline everything? Are you that type of an organized writer or do you just get the idea and then start to write from the seat of your pants? No. um, Well, I'm terrible because I'm like a lot of people, I suffer from terrible imposter syndrome. So I, I tend to not start writing until about like four o'clock in the evening or did and I still now four o'clock I'm an evening person but it takes all that energy to sort of g myself up to convince myself that I can do it it's fine um just start and stop cleaning the oven um (laughs) you know it's amazing what I can find to do um I don't know it's I'm more of an outliner I definitely am organized like before I start I have to know what basically needs to happen 
However, obviously, there's always the caveat that once you're in the zone, you throw all that away and something else happens. So I'm open to both, but I am definitely a planner, definitely need. And I think that's confidence and skill. You know, I've not been doing it for that long. Obviously, it's my first book. It's like driving a car. Like when you first started driving, didn't you know have to know where where you were going and not have the radio on? Yeah, yeah. both hands on the steering wheel. <laughs> yeah, tend to you know checking your mirrors whereas now you know you've got your head in the footwell looking for something as you're careering down the road so who knows maybe in the future are we a bit more cavalier <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i've interviewed over 150 authors though of all levels in their careers and it seems like every time they like think that it's over and that they're imposters so i think it's just normal we're we're weird wired that way <laughs> Oh, really? Oh, God. That means yes. I'm Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to break the news. Yeah, well, at least you told me now. <laughs> right. Yep. So don't feel bad when you're, you're working your new book and you're feeling like that because <laughs> it seems like everybody yeah. goes through that. So, yeah. Uh, so what So what, what are you working on now? Um, what, uh, what do you, you have a new project that you're working on? Yeah. So I've just submitted um, the first sort of version manuscript of my second novel to my publisher, Head of Zeus in the UK I'm, I'm going through that point where I'm waiting for the first round of feedback um so that's always awful um but yeah I'm about to start on book three so I've got like I've got a spreadsheet obviously <laughs> um of about I think it's about I want to say 13 which is unlucky for some but I'm, I'm fine with the number 13 um 13 novel concepts so I'm just trying to sort of drill them down now to start on my third one so I'll try and do what I did with the first one and, you know, in between edits or copy editing as they come back, I'll try and keep working. I think that's best. Otherwise, you send yourself mad, wor- worrying and overthinking about the first one. And what's your, once, once you're writing, once you're in the, once you start writing a, pro- a project, what's your, what's the day like? Do you like, you say you start in the evening, do you, do you write every day? Do you have a word count goals or? Yeah, I do. I, I, because I, I'm essentially a really lazy. Inside me is a lazy person fighting to get out. Mm-hmm. So they have to be controlled at all times. And so, I mean, I have a full time job as well. So obviously, like, I work during the day. But then, what I would do is definitely every day, really, in some form or other. If I don't, do you know what? If I don't write every day, I suffer from it, like great anxiety that I'll never do it again so even if it's just 10 minutes I make sure I do something or work on something or fiddle with my spreadsheet plan or do some like research or something you know I'm always involved like Christmas day boxing day it doesn't matter yeah because it is kind of a, a slippery slope right when if you when you start you stop writing because of whatever. Then next next thing you know, it's been a month and you know, yeah. terrible and, and you're in a hole. How am I ever going to do this again? Yeah. <laughs> so before I let you go, I would like to uh, ask my guests because we have aspiring writers here, and so they can so they can learn. Any advice that you would have for an aspiring writer out there who's uh, trying to write that first book? How? What do I say? Because there's so much advice, and so much of it should be like completely disregarded. Mm. Um, I would say. It's not going to chime with everybody, but from a personal perspective, I come from not many people around me read. Yeah, I was the oddball, really, that I, you know, I was the first in my family to go to college, let alone do anything like get a master, anything. So I wasn't from that culture. 
and be prepared to be discouraged by those closest to you who don't necessarily mean it in the best do you know what I mean as in mm-hmm. it's a bit like telling people you want to be a rock star when you say <laughs> oh I'm writing a novel and they're like oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> so for me I kept it secret because I didn't want that you know when people would ask me oh you still writing I just wouldn't say anything I'd be like oh no I kept it a secret apart from like my husband and my daughter who were always my greatest cheerleaders um so you don't need to tell everyone everything. You know, if you want to just hustle in silence and keep making progress and do that, be protective of your energy is what I would say, because there's a lot of people lining up to discourage you. And that says more about them than it does you. Yeah, probably the same way, too. I didn't. Well, aside from my wife, because she'd be wondering what I'm doing in the computer all day. But, yeah, I didn't tell my, <laughs> my family, my parents. I didn't tell anybody. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it's it's weird, isn't it? I think maybe if you come from a family where there are writers or musicians or artistic types in the family, they think it's reasonable. But, you know, when you come from a family where people are like, I don't know, from the Navy or welders, mm. they just be like, is this a good idea? <laughs> I must say, too, I really love your cover for people who have been in character. That, that must have been excited when you saw that for the first time. Yeah, I was. Um, it's a bit like seeing your baby for the first time and praying it's not ugly. But <laughs> it, I loved it. I love it. It's, it was designed by a guy called Ben Pryor, I think. He works for Head of Zeus. And it was just really eye-popping. And it really captures the sort of gothic-y time, you know, the font of the time and sleazy Victorian England and especially London. I, I just love it. Yeah, it's an amazing cover. So People of Abandoned Character is out now. So people go check that out. Um, And uh, Claire, thank you so much for being on the podcast and talking to us about your work and writing. It was a lot of fun talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Meet the Thriller Author. If you have a moment, please do check out thrillingreads.com forward slash links, where you'll be able to rate and review this podcast or simply rate this podcast wherever it is that you're listening to it, uh, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Audible, Amazon Music, uh, whichever podcast app you prefer, uh, please take a moment to rate this uh, podcast. It's the best way to help other fans of uh, mystery and thriller books to find the uh, podcast, and uh, it helps me get the word out, and it's the best way to support the podcast, so I do appreciate that. And if you're interested, you can join my Thrilling Reads mailing list. You'll find the uh, sign-up form at thrillingreads.com forward slash links. Once you subscribe for free, you'll be notified about discounts and deals on great books in the mystery, thriller, and crime fiction genres. You'll also find my social media links and my author website over at thrillingreads.com forward slash links. So check it out and say hi. All right, take care and stay safe until we meet again on the next episode of Meet the Thriller Author.